Beethoven Orchestraville. Orchestraville? Where's that? You change, you change four score and seven to, to 87? A landing was made this morning on the coast of France by troops of the Allied Expeditionary Force. I don't blame them for dyeing your hair, I said, but they waited too long to embalm it. Time now for spinning my dad's vinyl. Here with all his skips, scratches, and pops is my dad, Frank Baccarello. Thanks, sweetie, and thank you for tuning in to episode 99 of Spinning My Dad's Vinyl. It was the dance of a generation and well beyond. It was the dance of my parents' youth and the one they continued to do for decades. It is the Jitterbug. So, get ready for Fred Astaire Dance Studio approved numbers in volume 99, Time to Dance.
Erskine Hawkins and his orchestra with John Henry Blues. It was arranged by Frederick Lowe and written by W.C. Handy, recorded January 10th, 1950. Okay, why this record for this episode? Well, my parents loved to dance, and I think I've mentioned that a few times before on this show. It was so wonderful to see them out on the dance floor together. From my earliest memories at cousins' weddings, they would enjoy the music while mostly doing a form of the jitterbug. It is the dance step that they grew up with. They floated around that dance floor, especially my mom. By that time, they had been doing it together so long, they had obviously anticipated each other's moves while they were out there. It was a joy to watch. So this episode is dedicated to that memory. Now for a home remedy my grandfather first taught me.
Ralph Flanagan and his orchestra with Hot Toddy. You know, tea, honey, lemon, and whiskey. It was written by Ralph Flanagan and recorded in December of 1952. Okay, let me tell you about my dad's vinyl I have chosen for this episode. It has various artists, perfect for dancing Jitterbug or Lindy. It's on the RCA Victor label, number LPM1071. It's the Perfect for Dancing series. It's a vinyl LP compilation format, was released in 1955. Its genre is jazz pop, and its style is swing. It was produced and prepared under the direction of the Fred Astaire Dance Studios, and the cover photograph was by David Hecht. And we will hear six of the 12 songs on this album. Now, there are quite a few liner notes, so I will edit them down quite a bit. While the spirit of St. Louis was swinging its way nonstop from New York to Paris, making aviation headlines, it is extremely doubtful that its young pilot gave any thought to the association of his name with a dance craze that was soon to sweep the country. Mr. Lindbergh was, and is, a shy, retiring sort of fellow, and it is among the greatest anachronisms of this century that one of its most violently active dance forms should be called after him. But when Lindbergh taxied his plane to a halt in Paris, a sizable chunk of history had been made and, quite properly, the nation which had produced him immediately dove headlong into a period of unabashed hero worship. Today, the term is still very much current, but the dance has developed a plethora of other forms, all called by different names, although each is basically a close copy of the original, pecking, trucking, posing, and the jitterbug were but fads which developed from a common source. But the fact remains that no matter what it is currently called, it is still the Lindy to the dance world, a term as unchanging as the two feet required to perform it. Okay, let's see what prices this record is being sold at on Discogs.com. $8 for the highest, $0.99 for the lowest, for a $4.76 average and $5.75 median. It was last sold on September 3rd, 2022, for that low price of $0.99. Now, my dad's record is actually in surprisingly good condition considering the condition of the cover. There is very little noise between the tracks, and there's not too much crackle on this album at all. Now, the cover itself is in poor condition. The plastic laminate is already separating from the cardstock underneath, in fact, I already had one stick to my finger just a little bit ago. There is this famous black electrical tape holding the top and bottom seams together. And not only does he have the old family address label on it, but a label from the first house where my parents lived. And under that, an address label from the house he grew up in. So, you know, he had this quite early on. Well, it was released in 1955. He liked to make sure people knew that stuff belonged to him from a very early age, obviously. So... I will value my dad's record at a quarter. Next up, a blockbuster's blockbuster.
Boots Brown and his Blockbusters with Blockbuster, written by Shorty Rogers and recorded in December of 1952. Now, since there is no featured artist, I won't be giving you the bio of a person, but rather a dance. Jitterbug is a generalized term used to describe swing dancing. It is often synonymous with the Lindy Hop dance, but might include elements of the jive, East Coast swing, collegiate shag, Charleston, Balboa, and other swing dances. And since the subtitle of this album is Or Lindy, I'll tell you about the interesting origin of the dance. Lindy Hop swing dancing began in the 1920s and 30s in Harlem, New York. Jazz music had become extremely popular in the United States during this time, and the dance fads emerged as a result. Like most developed dances, Lindy Hop was born from the influences of a variety of dance styles. The Charleston and Tap were two of the popular jazz dances that heavily influenced Lindy Hop. The early stages of the Foxtrot were also included in Lindy Hop's original styling. Lindy Hop also grew from the blending of African rhythms and movements with European-structured dance partnering. Remnants of older dances such as the Black Cotton, Cakewalk, Texas Tommy, and animal dances such as the Turkey Trot and Buzzard Lope influenced the Lindy Hop structure and movements. Ballrooms dominated Harlem and New York City during the 1920s and 1930s, but there was only one that became famous for hosting swing dancing. The Savoy Ballroom became the place where Lindy Hop was fine-tuned, giving a home base and able to evolve. It was here that the Savoy style of Lindy Hop evolved. The Savoy was a very large ballroom. It took up an entire block at 141st Street and Lenox Avenue. The ballroom was very inspiring for dancers and was one of the few ballrooms at the time that allowed racial integration. The Savoy hosted 70,000 dancers a year and became known as the Home of Happy Feet. The ballroom had an elongated shape with sprung floors that needed to be replaced every three years. A bandstand at each end of the ballroom allowed for two live bands to play every night, seven days a week. Lindy Hop social dancing became extremely popular. A night out dancing was affordable, and jazz fans were happy to go out to hear live music by big names such as Duke Ellington, Cab Calloway, and Count Basie, especially since recorded music was not yet readily accessible. The musicians and the dancers would feed off of each other's energy and improvisations, making for a magical, spontaneous, and fun time. Dancers happily compared moves, participated in weekly friendly competitions, and invented new creative moves, including aerials and lifts. As Lindy Hop boomed, dance marathons became very popular, and it's because of one of them that Lindy Hop got its name. In 1927, Charles Lindbergh was going to take the first solo flight from New York to Paris. People were fascinated with Lindbergh's hop across the Atlantic. At the time, there was a great swing dancer by the name of George Shorty Snowden. He was at the end of a long dance marathon when a reporter watching asked what the crazy dance he was doing was called. He answered with a quick-witted response saying it was the Lindy Hop. The name stuck and is still called as such today. The Lindy Hop is considered to be the first swing dance and has inspired many of the other swing dances styles that have come after it. Next up, a ballroom that saw a lot of swing dancing.
Flanagan and his orchestra with Palladium Punch, written by Ralph Flanagan and recorded in 1952. Okay, time now for this episode's interesting side note, and it has to do with this famous dance being cut out of a famous movie. The Jitterbug musical number was cut from MGM's 1939 The Wizard of Oz. Composer Harold Arlen and lyricist E.Y. Harburg wrote the song in May 1938. It was one of the first pieces they created for the film. The idea was that the jitterbug is a tool of the Wicked Witch of the West, a blue and pink insect like a mosquito. Its bite causes a person to break into a frenetic dance. The witch sends the bug to attack Dorothy and her companions as they approach her castle, just before the flying monkeys swoop in to capture the heroine. The six-minute sequence took fully five weeks to rehearse and film at a cost of $80,000. It was cut from the movie because of a need to shorten the running time and because studio executives feared that it would date the film. When Harburg wrote the lyric in 1938, the word jitterbug had no larger meaning. In context, it was simply a bug that gave a person the jitters. While the movie was being made, though, the jitterbug craze in popular music and dance began and spread during 1939. The sequence was also too upbeat, perhaps for the darker tone of the materials around it. The film footage of the musical number was not preserved, but an Arlen home movie of some of the shoot exists and suggests what the result must have been like. Arlen's footage shows the quartet of protagonists dancing together, then Dorothy dancing with the Scarecrow and the Tin Woodman dancing with the Cowardly Lion as the haunted forest sways around them and the trees clap their branches like hands. It also shows one of the stagehands who moved the trees in time to the music. The vocal track and the orchestration for the jitterbug scene still exists. The number was included in a 1995 CD package of the film's music and often features in modern stage productions of the musical. A trace of the lost sequence survives in the film. When the witch tells Nico that she will send a little insect on ahead to take the fight out of her would-be assassins. Now, I found that on OzFandom.com, and the story goes on to describe the dialogue that was supposed to take place in that scene. Of course, I will drop that link into my show's liner notes. Okay, now, while there might have been flying monkeys in that movie, I don't remember an ass...
Shaw and his orchestra with Donkey Serenade, written by George Forrest, Herbert Southard, Robert Craig Wright, and Rudolph Freemy. It was recorded in 1939. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. Not only did this music bring back fond memories of my parents out on the dance floor, there was a previously unmentioned MASH connection, something I haven't done in a while. In the episode, Hey, Look Me Over, Season 11, Episode 1, all the nurses had been evacuated. And when they returned, they had a bunch of new records for the jukebox. 
Kelly Nakahara's character said, listen, we've got Jitterbug, Cheek to Cheek, and especially for Hawkeye, six different Lindys. <laughs> Alan Alda replied, Kelly, thank you, God, you're in luck. I do a great Lindy. In fact, I taught Lindy everything he knows. And as he grabbed another nurse and started dancing with her, she said, oh, great. When we're through doing this, maybe we can dance. By the way, it's also an episode that featured Tom Hanks' future wife, Rita Wilson. And finally, how about more Shorty? Brown and his blockbusters with Shortening Bread, another one written by Shorty Rogers. That was recorded in December of 1952. And there you have selections from an album perfect for dancing. 
So thanks for tuning into Volume 99, Time to Dance, however you did. If you want more information about this show, head over to spinningmydadsvinyl.com. I'll be back next week with all my skips, scratches, and pops with Volume 100, Frank's Favorites. Until then, go with the flow, my friends. <laughs>